Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Brian Davis and Denny Suplee here from Spark Rental. Hey, everyone. So last week, we talked about a three-step strategy to persuade your skeptical spouse about how to invest or about investing in real estate, how to get them excited and on board with your real estate aspirations. This week, Denny and I are talking about the three things that cost landlords money and time. Uh, and of course, how to minimize those three things <laughs> and those, those risks. So as you guys join us, please give us, a, uh, give us a shout in the comments. Let us know where you're tuning in from. We'd love to hear that stuff. And of course, don't hesitate to fire questions at us. This is not your typical um, podcast or, or video cast. We do broadcast these live and we do welcome interaction. So on that note, let's jump right in. So Denny, what is the first of these three issues or these, these three big overarching things that, that cost landlords money and time? Well, it's, it's finding the good tenant. And um, a lot of times out of impatience, um, even now, as easy as it is to check tenants out, landlords are still just taking the first, you know, first one that feels good. And, <laughs> and then later on, they're encountering a lot of issues. Um, so it's... I know we sound like broken records with this, but screening is so unbelievably important and it tells, it tells you a story. Well, you know, it's one of the expressions that we repeat all the time and it's, it's one of my favorites is that the quality of your renters determines the quality of your returns as a landlord. And, you know, it may sound a little trite, um, but it's, it's totally true. Absolutely. If you have good, reliable clean, respectful tenants who pay the rent like clockwork every month and treat your property respectfully, don't abuse it, then, you know, <laughs> you're going to make good money and have no headaches as a landlord, or at least minimal headaches as a landlord. If you have to chase down your tenants every month for the rent payment, if you're constantly filing for evictions in rent court and it's just this revolving door of evictions, and if your tenants are constantly abusing the heck out of your property, you're in for a rough time as a landlord. Yes. So, Denny, and, how do... You know, you rush in and you find these tenants thinking you're going to get this money coming in and then you have such aggravation later. So, good things come to those who wait. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, what can landlords do? If, you know, if they're not doing this based on feel and gut and intuition, what, how should they be screening and finding good, reliable, high-quality tenants? Well, um, first thing is the obvious. I mean, it's screening is very easy to come by. We have a, a screening service as well. And um, those, that's your first step. Well, actually, your first step is when you meet them at the property. Watch how they walk around. If they have children, watch those kids. And I'll tell you, I just, um, I just had a, a listing for a rental. And 
it, it was like a madhouse. People were like jumping in on this rental. And I had a lot of couples with kids come in. And I, I, you know, you just know. And there were some where the kids were just running all over and they were pulling things open and it's COVID and we're not supposed to open drawers and all this stuff. <laughs> and I was like so uptight. And, you know, you have to watch those things because that is how your rental is going to be treated. Right. And, that, and you know. the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? I mean, right. you know, if the if the kids are totally rambunctious and crazy and undisciplined and disrespectful toward the property, their parents are probably the same way, just, you know, it, on an adult wavelength. So definitely. Um, we, do have, we do have a couple of people saying, checking in here and saying hi. So Marshall Street Suites uh, checked in from Wisconsin and uh, Shani oh. Dixon checked in from New Jersey. And uh, Sherry Christofferson, who I actually know in real life, uh, she checked in from Maine. Nice, uh, nice. Although, uh, so Shani, just so you're aware, Sherry is also from, or no, uh, Marshall Street Suites, rather. Uh, Sherry is also from Wisconsin, even though she currently lives in Maine. And oh. uh, yeah, I had the pleasure of living in Wisconsin for a little while. I remember um, that. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You do remember that, actually. I called you Waldo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So running reports certainly helps, um, you know, credit report, criminal background check, eviction history report. Like you said, Denny, meeting the tenants or the prospective tenants at the property also helps right. seeing how they behave. Um, what are some of the other steps beyond the reports uh, that landlords tenants should look, do when they screen? Look at their social media. I mean, if you yeah, see nowadays, them all standing yeah. around with beers and screaming and yelling or whatever, I mean, we all like to have a good time, but if that's the, the routine of their, um, or the gist of their social media, then you might want to, you have a partier on your hands, so it could be that they're going <laughs> to party in your rental. Um, just look for clues and, and things like that and, and call the prior landlords, um, call their employment, get, you know, get definite references. Ask even for copies of paychecks because it's very easy for them to tell you, you know, uh, give you a phone number and ends up being aunt somebody and right. <laughs> they're not really an employer. Well, you know, and just to expand on your, your point real quick there, um, you mentioned calling prior landlords. And it's very important to call not just the current landlord, but also the previous landlord, because the current landlord might just want to get rid of them <laughs> if, if they're a bad tenant. I mean, the fastest way to get rid of a bad tenant is to give them a glowing recommendation to someone else, right? Right. So give your trash on their to own. somebody else. Sorry, I don't mean to put it that way, but it is <laughs> like that. And I, I was at a meeting with my um, broker recently, and we were talking about that, how, you know, you're like, yeah, you take them. <laughs> want them anymore and the faster yep. you get them out the better and unfortunately that's not very um ethical but it's done so yeah so so two landlords at least current landlord and previous landlord and you also mentioned calling employers it's worth mentioning that if you can get on the phone with their direct supervisor that person can be a wealth of information about just what kind of person they are in general. They can tell you about their character, their reliability. You know, do they show up on time every day to work? Do they show up late, reeking of booze, you know, whatever. Um, anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Denny. Please oh, no, <laughs> continue. No, that's, that's all. And all of those. And you know what? I heard this before and I, I actually have been doing it for years now. I look at the car. And not, not if it's an older car or whatever, because I drive an older car because I'm just not into cars. But if their car is filled up to the brim with trash and stuff is thrown all over and it's just not maintained, again, chances are they're going to probably treat your place the same way. And, you know, those are all clues. So learn how to look at the clues big time. 
Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Now, what about rent default insurance? Because that has been something, yeah, that's been a recent phenomenon. Can you tell, tell us a little bit about rent default insurance, how it works, where people can find it, all that good stuff? Well, I think it's worthy to say that no matter how wonderful they look and you get them in there, things happen. And um, rent default insurance helps you to maintain your income in case that something happens. Um, and it's not very expensive. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, so just for people who aren't familiar with the concepts, how does rent default insurance work? What does it do? Basically, you it's insurance. You pay for insurance. And if your tenants default after a period of time, which is like two weeks, I think, um, they start paying the rent. Your rent is covered. So, okay. Right. So while you're going through the eviction process, the insurance company starts, they pay you the rent each month until you have the, the old tenant out and a new, hopefully consistently paying tenant in the door. And it's... <laughs> To me, it's a, a win-win because we don't know. Look what just happened um, in our country right now. And there are people that are not only sitting on what were good tenants, but they can't evict them. So if you had something like rent insurance, it certainly would have been very helpful at, at a time like this. So, And we added a, uh, a link in the comments there to where you can check out some rent default insurance if you want. And like Danny said, it's not expensive. It's usually in the... Um, the 350, 400 bucks a year range for a policy. It, it does depend on the price of the rent. Uh, you know, the higher the rent, the, the higher the policy is going to be right. for a year. And you just build that into your costs. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And it is tax deductible as well, uh, which takes a little bit of the sting off. Right. All right. So Denny, what else can landlords do to ensure that they get and keep good tenants? Um, I find that you can't... Th- yeah, you, if you have kids, you know that if you go back on your word, you, you <laughs> lost you lost your footing. And the same goes for your renters. If you keep being wishy-washy, they're going to know that they can string you over here and over there. So you have to set rules, follow them, and enforce them and without fail because that that's going to ensure that they remain within the parameters of the lease because you're enforcing those parameters. And that goes for rent increases. I know Brian always talks about doing it every single year, you know, and Even without fail. Right. It doesn't Just have to be much. Thing. It's more about setting expectations. Exactly. And, you know, prices and stuff go up. So they should be expecting that rent and whatnot is going to go up as well. Late Inflation. rent big time <laughs> if they're um late on their rent don't call them and say oh where's the rent get those notices out and say yo you're late now you have a late <laughs> like that. Yo, yeah, you're late. Yo, put that in your notice <laughs> <Yeah>. um <laughs> or any issues you have um any kind of complaints if you drive by the property and you see there's trash thrown all over the place you want to jump on those things as soon as possible. This way they know, whoa, we, this is the way we have to act if we want to stay here. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, part of being a landlord is about setting and defending boundaries. So that, that's in your job description as a landlord, whether you like it or not. And ironically, in the beginning when you do this, it's a little pain, a bit of a pain, but eventually you won't have to do it anymore because they're just no. So that'll be it. They're going to say, oh, yeah, my landlord's on top of things, but can't mess can't mess around so right. that's exactly very set and defend expectations 
Absolutely. The other thing is remember that, you know, your tenants are people too. And a lot of times uh, landlords look at tenants as, you know, the bother of the business, but they're actually the <laughs> the goal of the business. Right. Yeah. So you want to be kind to them. And, you know, it's it's important that you're maintaining their living space too and you don't want to ignore it uh, I, there's unfortunately a lot of landlords not not a whole lot but there are a few that don't fix and they're called you know slum lords and all kinds of other names and they give us a bad name just as the bad tenants give them a bad name and it's it's a two-way street here so make sure you're providing the necessary maintenance it helps you you're keeping up the property helps your tenants know that you're staying on top of things. You want to communicate. Um, that's important. You know, I, you don't want to just leave them just be and not check in. Is everything okay? Um, you don't want to do it too often, but at least on a regular basis, how are things? Is everything okay? Because sometimes they don't want to bother you and there's something broken and they didn't want to bother you with it. Sometimes it's good to check in learn about all those things. They see that you care. And the more you care, the more caring they will be. I find that's definitely true. Um, well, so, so you've segued into the second issue um, with by talking about maintenance of the property. Mm -hmm. So that, that is the second area where landlords incur you know, the bulk of their expenses, both money-wise and time-wise. So repairs, maintenance, and emergencies is this, this big umbrella and like you said, Denny, one of the one of the first things that landlords can and should be doing, or not first, but ongoing, um, is doing routine inspections mm -hmm. twice a year. Do semi-annual inspections of your units. Uh, that way, you can catch maintenance issues early before they cause much damage. Because a lot of these issues, you know, they start small, but the longer they're left untended, the right. more damage they cause. So, for example, a leaking pipe. You know, in the very beginning, that's a really easy fix. You leave that be and the leak gets bigger and bigger and bigger and starts causing all this water damage across the unit. You end up with a huge molds problem. And yeah. you know, what, what could have been a $50 repair to that pipe ends up being a $50,000 mold remediation bill um, and having to, to pull out all the drywall and you, know, you lose your tenants and a total nightmare. So yeah, big time. Visit the property twice a year for semi-annual inspections. Uh, and, you know, to tie this back to issue number one with managing tenants as well, uh, it also helps you catch any tenant infractions early. You know, they bring in a deadbeat boyfriend to live in the property without telling you. They bring in their huge German shepherd to, without telling you, stuff like that. Um, or if they're just not treating the property very well. So those semi-annual inspections will help you both catch maintenance issues at the property early and tenant infractions at the property early and, and you know says, um sorry i didn't mean I, we were speaking with somebody who um is a new investor and she brought up something about having she want to have it managed by somebody else and that that's a bit that's common i mean eventually maybe that is the goal you don't want to manage it yourself but beware because there are a lot of management companies that do not inspect they're basically they get you your tenant they call out somebody for maintenance maybe and collect your rent. Um, so you want to, that's a question you want to ask your management companies. Like, do you inspect? Do I get a report? How often? And so forth and so on, because it's important. Absolutely. 
Now, the other piece of this is you need to have a, a Rolodex or you know, nowadays a virtual Rolodex of contractors that you can call on when you have issues because by the time you do find that, that major leak or you know, the furnace goes out in January, that's a little late to be running around trying to find a qualified contractor to handle it. You really want to have these relationships in place beforehand. So you will, take, you will eliminate a lot of headaches by building relationships with contractors of every specialty and every price point before you actually need them. So that goes from super affordable general handymen up to you know top tier, super expensive HVAC contractors or roofers or whatever, you know, specialists who are high skill and, and high right. cost. You you need every every one of those cogs in the machine, you need several of them. So And here's a tip. If you find a good plumber or a good electrician, they usually have ref- references for other good on the yacht. Like my plumber gave me an ideal electrician. Like he's awesome. And so if you find one good one, ask them for some of the other trades because you might get a, a couple other ones. Absolutely. Great tip there. And you also, some of the maintenance doesn't necessarily have to fall to you. You can, you can set some of the maintenance as being the responsibility of the tenant. So things like changing the batteries in the smoke detectors, things like shoveling snow if it's a single family property or a townhouse or something. Um, change, one, one that I'm really big on is changing the air filters every three months. Really important because if those are left unchanged, it's going to really reduce the life expectancy of your um, HVAC system. So, you know, put some thought into what maintenance you want to take on as the landlord and what maintenance you can assign to the tenant in the lease agreement and have them be responsible for. But also make sure that you put in your lease agreement that they will report, even if they fix them, they still will report everything that goes on in that property. Absolutely. Now, one final thought here about maintenance and repairs and emergencies is you don't necessarily have to handle these calls yourself, even if you self-manage. Nowadays, there are maintenance concierge services that you can give, that they'll give you a, a dedicated number you can give to your renters in the event of an emergency or a repair. And the, your, your tenant will call up the concierge service, explain the problem, and the concierge service will send, they'll have a list of local contractors in, in your property's area that they work with and who are approved with them. And they'll send them out to deal with the problem for you. And if you, right. have, if you have a couple contractors that you like a lot, you can list those as preferred vendors and have them send that person. Um, so They even have takes- a service where they will call the tenant and assess if it's an emergency or not. They have like yeah. a whole set of questions and whatnot. It's, it's a cool service. Yeah, so those 3 a.m. phone calls <laughs> when the toilet's clogged or whatever, <laughs> someone else can field those, even if you self-manage. And you know that's that's one of the one of the nice uh, ways that the industry is being disrupted a little bit. So highly recommend you check out uh, some of those concierge services. All right, so moving on to the third item that costs landlords time and money, uh, Denny. The problem tenant and evictions. How can landlords prevent this? 
the again, it's staying on top of them and a little bit about what we said before, being consistent with them. Don't don't think that that noise problem or because they're bringing in a pet, oh, it'll leave. All of those things, you you know, you you can only stick your head in the sand so long before that problem becomes a big problem. So you need to send out notifications as soon as you know something is wrong or as soon as the rent is late, like we said before. Um, it's also really important to always have the mindset that I may end up in court. Um, and not like you should be afraid or anything like that, but to be prepared. So keep track of all communication. So be very careful of phone calls because they're hard. They're a he said, she said issue. So you're much better doing written. Um, you know, some courts will miss, they'll take in, into consideration texts and emails. So right now you can use them and, um, and of course letters. But definitely as soon as something happens, send out the formal notification. Yeah, and you know this is something that we were careful to build into our new software that we've been rolling out, our new landlord software, um, is a, a messaging system that it kind of works like Airbnb system where you, you send a message through the platform and then the message goes and, and to the recipient's email address. But it keeps a log of all of your communications with your tenants that you can show up in court with and say, you know, so if the tenant says, oh, well, I, you know, the landlord never told me that, you can say, actually, here is the, here's the log of all of our messages and communication. So, yeah, it's super important that you keep a paper trail of exactly what you've told your tenants uh, because you may need to produce that in court if you ever have to, to take them to court. The message um, feature also keeps you kind of anonymous. So if you don't want to give out your personal email or phone number, kind of helps. Right. Right. I mean, you, you know, they still know your, your name, of course, but you don't have to give them your personal contact details. Right. Uh, that, that stays anonymous um, or confidential within the platform. Now, you also want to wanna send eviction notices or eviction warning notices immediately when tenants violate your lease. Because, look, landlords get really nervous about this and they wring their hands and they hem and haw and they feel like they're terrible people and they're putting people out on the street. The fact of the matter is eviction warning notices are the first step in a very long eviction mm -hmm. process. And your tenants can bring the rent current or cure the lease violation at any time in the entire process. The eviction warning notice is just, it's just that. It's a letter that they receive giving them proper warning that they're in violation and they need to fix that violation or else you will escalate to the next step of filing in court. But it's just, it's just a warning. But it, does it is specific to each state and in some cases to each violation of the lease. Right. So this is something that we are actually about to release as a free service in our software, in our landlord software. And so, it's because a lot of eviction notices have different time frames, how many days you can give and the whole nine yards. So we've taken care of a lot of that for you. So you don't have to sweat that. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, these, these are state specific, like we said, and we, we're going to be releasing uh, hundreds <laughs> of these state specific mm -hmm. eviction notices and listing them for free. And uh, we do have a, a nice comment from Patty here. Patty Zora says, this is awesome. So Patty, thank you for saying so. We very much appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Danny, um, what did we oh, miss and here? Then, 
I'm, I just want to talk. I know we, it's like COVID comes up, but you know, it's, it's like around us. So I know it's everyone's um, least favorite topic of conversation these days. <laughs> but I, and a lot of people have brought this up, but I, just because you can't take your tenants to court, maybe you can't evict them right now. You still can, you can still take the steps so that as soon as those court doors open, you are already ready. Because if you just wait, then you got to go through the process after they open and that's just going to take longer. So do take the steps, even, even if you're in the midst of the eviction halt or whatever is going on in your locale. Yeah. And just to give a quick update on where we are. So as you guys probably know, the, the CARES Act expired on July 24th of this year. However, um, the Federal Housing uh, Finance Authority they extended the eviction moratorium through the end of the year for properties that are secured by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac uh, or FHA loans. So the rest of the eviction moratorium from the CARES Act, though that has ended, but one part of it has been extended through the end of 2020, and that is for properties that are secured by a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or FHA loan. So just something to be aware However, of. However a lot of your locale, your locations, your small, um, even cities, cities and own. states. And right. Yeah. Some of them. So. And yeah, some of those have started expiring. Others are still in place. So unfortunately this is a, a local issue that you're going to have to work through on your own, <laughs> but right. something to be but aware send of. Send the notices out and take the steps to, so that they're already in place. That's important. All right, Denny, any last thoughts before we wrap things up here about things that cost landlords time and money and how to mitigate those risks and mitigate those costs. The only other is be careful when you're negotiating because if you have a tenant who wasn't supposed to bring in a pet and then they brought in a pet and you ask them to get rid of the pet in four days and then they come at you two weeks later when you start eviction proceedings and then they say, okay, I'll get rid of the pet. Chances are you're going to you know, pull back the eviction and that you're going to see that pet's going to be back. So be very careful about negotiating at that point. Right. Yeah. That's actually, that's something that's worth exploring a little bit further that when you start the eviction process, if you accept concessions after the fact, so for example, if you take a partial rent payment, let's just say for a case of example, a tenant owes you $2,500 in rent, in back, back rents, you go and file for eviction. You go through the, the court process, you have the hearing, and then the tenant comes and offers you $1,000 toward the balance. If you take that $1,000, you have to close out that entire eviction filing and restart the entire process areas. from scratch. Well, yeah, I, it, okay, that, that's a good point. That's state by state. But in, in a lot of states, you have to restart the entire process from scratch if you take a partial, if you accept a partial payment. So yep. anyway. Nothing <laughs> like starting all over again. Right. <laughs> All right, Denny, any last thoughts before we wrap this up? No, I don't think so. I think we covered the bases. All right. Well, hey, reach out to us over uh, email or Facebook Messenger or just message our Facebook page. Let us know what you want to hear about next week. We are on here every week, 2 o'clock Eastern on Tuesdays, 11 a.m. Pacific. And we, are, we have started releasing this as a podcast and video series as well. So you can listen through iTunes and Stitcher or wherever else you listen to your podcasts if that time doesn't work for you. 
but this is all about you. It's not about us talking at you. So, you know, bring your questions, show up live if you can, and let us know what topics you want to hear about. Because again, we're, we're here for you. This is not, not for us. <laughs> so no. on that note, have a great week and we will see you next Tuesday. See you later. Did you know we offer a free eight video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. And we will catch you on the flip side.